Welcome. You're about to be ushered past the velvet rope and into a world of hyper-effective salesmanship that's understood and used only by the world's most notoriously rich and successful marketers. We're taking a journey deep inside the human brain, past the surface clutter, and into the psychological insights to answer the one crucial question, what makes people buy? I'm your host, Kevin Rogers, along with the most ripped off and respected copywriter alive, John Carlton, and this is Psych Insights for Modern Marketers. Hey everybody, welcome to Psych Insights for Modern Marketers. It's Kevin Rogers here with my partner, John Carlton. How's it going, John? Happy New Year, Kevin, and everybody out there in uh, radio land. Uh, it's good good to be back. I feel refreshed, took off too much time over the Christmas holidays, which used to be required and standard operating procedure, and now, you know, way too many people are working all the way through, so I know yeah. you took off some quality time, I Kevin. actually did, yeah, I went up into the mountains with... <laughs> West Virginia. That <laughs> uh, <laughs> was Georgia, Blue Ridge Mountains oh. of Georgia. Oh. And the, the the trip started as I said to my wife, you know, we should take the kids up into the mountains. They, maybe we'll get lucky and see some snow or something. And she's like, yeah, great idea. I said, you know, we should probably bring your parents because they've been wanting to do this. That's great. And then I come home the next day and she's like, oh, by the way, um, they mentioned it to my sister. And so she's going to, her and her daughter are coming. Okay, great. What does that make? That's um, eight of nine, eight. Okay. And next it's day. It's a caravan. I, yeah. The next day I come home, she goes, well, you know, somebody mentioned it to RJ and now him and his girlfriend and kids are coming. So now there's 12 of us. Uh, <laughs> and you know what? I wouldn't have had it any other way, man. Oh, yeah. Looking back. I mean, it, it was such a great experience. And they had this rec room. So the kids got to sleep. They kept calling it the the, um, uh, the kids cave instead of the man yeah. cave. Uh, bunk beds and a, and a pool table. And uh, oh, wow. that was a blast, man. It was great. Yeah, my, my family did that back in the 50s. So 60, God you know, over 50 years ago. And we'd, we'd rent some low-rent place at the beach, and the entire extended family would be there. We're talking 20, 30 people wow. in a couple of houses built to hold seven, maybe. You know, <laughs> but and, and the adults just made it work, and they had fun because they got to sip their beer and play cards and, right. and go out in the beach. And the kids just, we didn't care how we slept or anything. It was just, it was the fact we're with the cousins we loved, and we're running around doing all that great crazy stuff and you know just uh, and and at the beach i mean it was just it's great and we also did it in the mountains too down in southern california so yeah that's that's classic uh family stuff and i hope uh i hope uh somebody out there who hasn't been doing that with their family picks up the hint and uh you know the leave it to beaver vacations with the family actually uh you know cement some really good memories and stuff for the kids so yeah, well, you know that leads into our topic today, and there's so much, oh, yeah. around, so much around goals and goal setting. I wanted to do and and and, and life planning, really. I've, yeah. I, I've been calling it more life planning because you know goals. 
people under, think they understand goals, and they really don't. Right. And it, 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 when I talk about goals, I see people's eyes kind of glaze over, and they say, yeah, I know how to do that. You know, and, then, and I find I have to explain a little bit. So this really is life planning, much like planning a business isn't sitting down and saying, I'm going to open a restaurant and get rich. That's not a business plan. <laughs> right. Neither is a goal of, hey, I'm going to get filthy rich, and I guess I better get online and or, you know, start a website. That's not a business you know, plan. That's, and a life plan is not, I'm going to be really happy next year. That's, yeah, right. you know, that doesn't cut it. You got to start getting specific. You got to start nailing stuff down. So, so yeah, planning, you know, life planning, planning. Yeah. And you know, what I find is, uh, we'll get into this. You have a, a unique system that I love. Um, and it's been really effective. I've been doing this since I first hooked into you years ago. And I'm so glad that you repost this every year because I read it every year and I do this exercise every year. And it really is amazing to look back at the letter the, you know, at the end of the next year and, and see what your goals were. So we're going to talk a lot about you know, our evolution of goal setting and mm -hmm. different ways to do it that really make it more tangible. But, you know, one of mine is taking like a quarterly vacation just because those are the memories. You realize that, mm -hmm. that that's, you know, what is it really essential here? So let me read a, a, just one of my favorite sections of your now famous post um, called, uh, I don't know if it's always called this, but the rest of your freaking life uh, <laughs> <laughs> redux here. So, um uh, the universe works in mysterious ways, and you don't have to belong to a religion to realize this. The whole concept of ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find, knock and the door will be opened, was well known by successful people long before Luke and Matthew wrote it down. The keys are action, movement, ask, seek, knock. These simple actions will change your life forever. I mean that's that's powerful stuff, and you know I I just to add yeah. some background to that. So one of the early things I picked up, and I didn't, you know, I, I was not raised in a religious household, but I did, uh, you know, I, I checked out the Bible, I read some stuff, but I got this through a third party. It was Ogmandino actually mm -hmm. that was talking about this a lot, and I saw it referenced and I knew about it, but I, you know, I was. Early in my career, I was so alone. I was looking to the self-help section of the of the bookstore for things, you know, just to kind of buck me up to make, you know, because I was giving, you know, I was using only my own counsel. I was the only person I could talk to. I was using journals, and so I was reading these self help books. And Augmandino was very good, and he was very concerned with goals too. But he. He did it. He, he was more of the visualizing it, you know, uh, school. So I, I, I got to learn that very well. But he was very big on that. Ask, seek, knock. And, you know, if I was going to have a, a tattoo put on, that's probably the tattoo I'd have on one arm. On the other arm, it would be all clients suck. But that's, that's another, <laughs> that's another podcast. But it's, it's, yeah, you, you know, you, you really, uh, zeroed in on the, uh, on, on the essence there. And, you know, it's also just, a, you know, that phrase, ask, seek, knock, when when most people first look at it, they they do the same thing they do with when they talk about goals or talk about planning or anything else. They say, yeah, 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 I got it. I got it. Yeah. No, you don't. This is worth meditating on. It's worth sitting and really, really getting the, the cogitation wheels in your brain spinning on this stuff and thinking about it. What does it mean to ask? Who do I ask? What do I ask them? Things like this. You don't know. You, so when you come up to somebody, like when I met 
you know, Jay Abraham, you know, I actually literally went there trying, you know, I, my plan was to knock him out was because he pissed me off. Uh, in the first exchange of mail that we had, he kind of dismissed me, and I, I thought he didn't read my letter, so I was really angry. And he lived nearby, and I went there, and I literally knocked on the door of his office and went in and was really angry, and the uh, office manager called me down and then wow. uh, said, you know what, you should probably meet Jay, you know, and I met, and so... You know, I didn't start asking Jay stuff, but, you know, get, getting me there was part of that, you know, knocking thing. And right. then the seeking, then I realized that, wait, I'm, you know, I got to pivot out of just, you know, you know, you know, trying to make a point here and instead take advantage of this opportunity. So I'm seeking at that point. And with Jay, I didn't really have to ask much because he was just a font of stuff coming out of him advice just observing him was 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 a stunning you know advanced um uh, a teaching experience so it was still under the ask thing though it was like mm -hmm. you know if i knew to ask the right questions i would ask what he's answering now but i didn't need to because he because observing him was much more important and, and the same thing so there's all these nuances and variations to this you can take it literally or you can take it as more of a of a broad philosophical uh attitude to have but the whole idea is that you know, it's, you know, Kevin, it's, it's what you did when you, you know, the famous story of you <clears throat> flying to Chicago, you know, you, uh, you know, on, on a hunch, you know, with, uh, you know, it, it, it was, it was a significant investment of time and money on your part. I think you lied to your wife. I lied to you. <laughs> and she, and she <laughs> well, not exactly lied, but, but what yeah. you did was, was, you know, you essentially, you asked for permission to come in on this. I yeah. gave it to you because you had set it up a little bit, right. but you were seeking something. You may not have even been sure what you were seeking, but you knew you were in seek mode. Right. And then you actually not. I mean, you did all of that with, mm. within a very short thing. Maybe not literally, maybe not in a step-by-step -step process, but those, let's call them brain uh, machines that are usually sleeping people, you woke each one of those up yeah. and they were operating and gnarly and, you know, thinking, okay, go this way. It's kind of like you become a, a, a machine seeking, seeking the heat. You see, you know, you ask, you're, you're seeking the heat, you knock when you come to the source of the heat. Mm -hmm. And as far as asking, it's, it's however you get things answered. And a lot of times the first question you ask in a lot of new situations, <clears throat> the question you ask is, what do I need to ask? In other words, what, what do I need to do in this new opportunity I have to take most advantage of it? And you may not know, you know, and so you may be winging it at times. And, you know, yeah. you, you were winging it in Chicago. I was right. winging it in Jay's office. Right. Uh, I was winging it for most of the first 10 years of, of, of my career. But because I knew there was a question somewhere, I was, I was attentive to it. And, I'm, you know, I wasn't afraid to back up two or three steps and ask somebody else or just ask myself or just leave it out there. I don't know what the first step is, so my job is to find that first step. And this may involve 15 questions to eight different people, you know, a lot of dead ends and stuff. But it was, it was that ask kind of thing. So, Yeah, that's, that's great. And, you know, there... That this focusing on seek for a minute, um, there's shades to me of I love the way you put it about sort of the heat, right? You just yeah. you're sort of moving towards the heat. There's also, you know, around the same time that I began to, to seek you out, and you're right, I mean, it wasn't conscious of these steps, although I'd read Mandino, I, I never really picked up this from him, uh, but 
to me, it was a more like a, a law of attraction type of thing in the sense mm-hmm. that I didn't like formally what they call set the intention to, to, you know, meet John Carlton. But what I did do was seek out your knowledge the best I could get it with very little resources at that time. You didn't have any courses and, and things like that. So I did, a, I put a lot of energy towards getting my Carlton education when there wasn't really one available. Right. And so what I, when it manifested into, um, me coming to Chicago, you, ex- the, the mind blowing thing was you ex- accepting my request. And, and so graciously, generously, um, that was mind blowing, but everything after that felt strangely normal, like it should be happening. Right. Right. And so there's, Along the way, at some point, there's an energy that takes over that you're just sort of a part of. And things that should be scary and weird and awkward just aren't, and they feel natural. And I feel like that's when you know you're on the right path. Did you get some of that when you sort of got in with Jay and took it to that next level? Right. Um, you, you, you got me thinking about something with the, the, the thing with Jay and the thing about being, you know, there's a background to going back to your situation in, in Chicago. It's kind of like, and I was thinking about the PUA guys and what the big problem was with some of the, some of the tactics for, you know, meeting women and stuff is that you can walk into a bar and announce that you're filthy rich and you got a Porsche outside. And yes, you may get some woman to walk outside with you, but you got to have the Porsche. <laughs> and it's kind of like going to a inner city basketball game, sitting on the side and saying, yeah, I got the chops. I can play. And then finally someone says, okay, come on in. You're all, you know, you're, you're, you're on my side. You better be able to play. Right. So, so it's it's like two parts of the game, and you were able to, I, you know, you you didn't call me out out of the blue and ask to come. You had already right, spent right. some time. You you had some, you'd steeped yourself in in our world. You were you were kind of hip to what was going on. You hadn't yet really experienced it, but when it came time, when the ball came to you, you knew how to dribble and uh, and you had a decent jump shot. So you you may not have been the star of the game, but you right. performed at the given thing. When, when I went to see Jay, I didn't I didn't have any idea what Jay represented. What Jay was was a door or a conduit or a uh, an opening to a world I didn't I didn't even know exist it existed. I I met my agent in in Jay's office, John Finn, who was my agent for several years, and got me to you know that's where he hooked me up for mentoring with uh, with um, uh, Jim Rutz, for example. I met Gary Halbert in Jay's house during during a party. Um, all of this stuff opened up, but I had no idea that that was there at the time. He was just this cocky guy who who seemed to be in the mold of going after the Claude Hopkins school, which at that time, again, was kind of out of print. Nobody that I'd been working with in the L.A. Uh, direct response agencies really understood direct response or salesmanship or had read any book older than themselves. And so there was kind of a bond there, but I had no idea that he was, that behind him was this vast new world that was going to open up. Mm. And if I had never done that, a lot of those things probably never would have happened or would have had to happen through other means. And so, 
So, you know, it's, it's, you know, when that point came where now I was, I was not angry anymore and I was standing there, I was like, okay, everything just shifted, you know, in, in a heartbeat. And now I'm back to why I was after, you know, meeting him in the first place and let's just see what happens. But I was meeting everybody. I was a, I was a, you know, a freelancing whore back then. I just, you know, I just saw him as a possible client, as somebody who could give me clients, as, you know, there were a few vague things. So, so that whole idea of, uh, I've gotten some comments on the blog over the years from this post and people say, well, what should I ask? You know, and that's where I came up with the idea of, okay, that you just, uh, you know, you, that that's your homework. Figure out what you should ask. Mm-hmm. This is up to you, folks. You know, there's the the hard part about being an entrepreneur is to realize it is up to you. You can outsource a lot of stuff. You can partner up. You can do it. You don't have to have to do it all all the time. Mm-hmm. But you are the last. You know, the, the buck stops with you. You are the the genesis of the heat, so to speak, and you are the one who's going to pay the consequences and enjoy the the rewards, you know, to the most part. So, you know, you have to get out of this, you know, I'm looking for someone to take care of me. That's not being an entrepreneur. Yeah. That's a totally different game. And it's it's perfectly honorable and rational for a lot of people to get into that game. Get a good job where someone else is, is, is the heat and you are, you know, one of the orbiting planets, and that's fine. But if you're going to be the entrepreneur, you are the center of the, of the solar system there. So it's, it's, it's different games. So, you know, don't be afraid to not even know where to seek, you know, not even know how loud to knock and, and what you find out. Yeah. And each each action you take builds, you know, it, it lays a foundation for the next one, the next one, the next one. It's like... You know, I was taking a walk today with uh, uh, with with Michelle, and and, and I, I I've been having her throw rocks on the frozen ponds because it's kind of funny. We can tell how thick the ice is, and it's just it's just a wonderful little thing. Though when the rocks go through, and and sometimes the 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 ice breaks and all the cracks, it's it's just kind of a neat little little thing with nature, but she's, you know, never thrown much. And, and I realized, I said, you know, by the time I was eight years old, I'd probably thrown a baseball 500,000 times, you know, it's just, <laughs> just that over and over and over and over again. And so you get to a point where it's, it's automatic. You get past all that stuff. So the guy sitting there with the baseball saying, well, you know, how do I throw it like you? You know, a lot of times it's, it's, you throw it, then throw it again, get it, throw it again, throw it again, throw it again. You know, it's like, it's like the dog, you know, throw Throw the ball, throw the ball, throw the ball. Yeah, right. They never and, and, never and it's, it's, it's repetition. So, you know, a good first goal for everybody is don't pretend you should know it all. We, mm. This is not part of the default settings that come with, with human beings. This yeah. is not something that comes naturally. Don't beat yourself up about not being successful. I mean, a number of people, even those who should know better, think, okay, I am an entrepreneur. I announce it to the universe. I'm an entrepreneur, and now the check should be arriving, you know, with with today's mail. Right. It, it doesn't work that way. There, there's a lot more to do. It's not. It, it is daunting if you take the whole thing. If 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 you had decided that you were going to obsess and stay up all night worrying about 
driving to the, the Blue Ridge Mountains and how far that, dr- that drive was and wondering about every mile of the way what's going to happen. What if there are nails in the road? You know, now, you should do certain checks. You've got to check your tires. You've got to make sure you're full. You know, you got gas. Everybody's strapped up. You don't, right. you know, you're not violating the laws of physics, nature, or, <laughs> or the state highway patrol. And you, know, and, and you do this stuff, but you do it reasonably, and you make a reasonable effort. Yes, you're still going to go out into the dangerous world, and you're still not going to have driven that road before. You, it, you will come to intersections where it's the first time you've been at that intersection. So to ask before you even leave the house, what are we going to do if we come to an intersection and we don't know what to do? Right. You'll figure it out. Okay, you, based on previous driving, you know, experiences and stuff, you'll figure it out. Or you may take the wrong turn. You know what? It's not the end of the world, you know? You know, the, it, 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 unless you're in a uh, uh, Todd Snyder horror movie, in which case, <laughs> it, it, you know, it can be the end of the world. Right. Family. The end of, okay, we, we were way down. The end of that uh, act, I think at least, this, yeah. This, um, the, 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 this call was, was going to be about um, <clears throat> the January 15th letter, which is, a date I picked about, I don't know, 10 or 12 years ago, and started writing my own letter. It had nothing to do with the fact that January 1st, it just happened, it was a new year. It just happened to be that January 15th was the first time I wrote this letter to myself, in, you know, a, a year hence. And we'll, we'll, we'll discuss that very briefly. But mm-hmm. just, to, just to talk about New Year's, I've never been big on New Year resolutions. I like the idea of restarting stuff, but you can do it any time you want. When I was growing up, my New Year in my head, my body felt it was a New Year in early September. When yeah. summer was over and I went back to school, that to me was really the, the everything around me was new, and so that was my new year. So, so I, I you know, I have fond uh, feelings of little mini, you know, midlife crises when I was eight years old. You know, you know, going into third grade or whatever. Um, you know, it, it was new. It, it was a step. So I, I learned to embrace that uncomfortableness and the idea. You know, turn the the fear and angst into a sense of adventure and. And you know, you know, if, if things went wrong, you know, I wasn't I wasn't pessimistic about it. I was optimistic and pessimistic at the same time. But the idea of the January fifteenth letter was just pick a date. It doesn't have to be the fifteenth. Might as well be the fifteenth because you know this is not an important decision. This is a. Uh, something, you know, a lot of the best routines you'll set up have no rational basis to them at all for the start, you know, middle and, and end of it. So just pick a date. It can be anything. This one letter I plucked out, by the way, from 2009 was January, dated January 29th. Mm. Now, it was supposed to be a January 15th letter. I didn't get to it. I don't know why. I think I was I was uh, overseas or something. I'm not sure. I, I was out of town. So I came back. First thing I did was get to this letter and do it. So it's not exact, but it's probably better that you do make it exact. And there's nothing wrong with January 15th. And if you haven't got a date, go ahead and pick that. Um, do we it, need to explain? Yeah, the, we, I think a little bit. Yeah, let's just talk about how it's different in regards to... Um, you know, the, the main thing is I got a, a good comment on my Facebook page that was referring to this blog from a guy, I can't think of his name right now, but he's a, he's a big guy, he's like a mini Tony Robbins guy, and he's been preaching people, and he said, hey, Carlton just nailed it, I've been talking about, not me, he, this guy's been talking about push versus pull in motivation for a long time, mm-hmm. and he says, and Carlton found a way to make goals as a pulling, 
as instead of pushing. And, you know, that was a concept I just kind of came up with, you know, about 12 years ago. And the, the whole idea for me was most, there are multiple ways to do your goal setting. And there's a lot of nuance to it. We could talk for hours just about the nature of goals and things like that. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a few examples of how this particular letter works. But goals can be sketchy little things. Most of the goals you set and achieve when you're starting out may not be what you actually want. And, you know, if, if you think the idea is you're going to, first time out, you're going to set five goals for the rest of your life, and those, those are going to make you happy, and that's it. You can put it aside. That's not the way it works. It, it, they take constant work, and it changes your, your brain to the point where you're thinking about this stuff all the time. <clears throat> you're not necessarily obsessing with it, and that's where the idea of push to pull comes. The simplest way of setting goals is kind of the resolution type of thing, which is I vow to go to the gym twice a week. And yeah. then what you have to do is push yourself to go to, to, to do that. And most people make it maybe through the first week of January, and then they're back eating Doritos, you know, on Monday afternoon watching <laughs> football, you know, Monday night. Right. Um, the, so, so the idea of pushing yourself, it very seldom works. It can work. And you, you'll meet guys like bodybuilders who are great at getting to the gym. They're really motivated. They love it in there. They love the smell of sweat and the clank of iron. Mm-hmm. And uh, they like grunting, and, and they do it. And I've hung out with these guys, and I've been one of those guys, you know, yeah. doing that stuff. But that's pushing. You can do that. Guess what? There are other parts of their life that are failing miserably because they can't push themselves to do it. You know, I know a lot of guys who, you know, they come to me for writing because they can't push themselves to write. Right. So I find unique ways to pull them into it, to accidentally write something. Like the, in Kick-Ass Copyright Secrets, the biz, lazy businessman's three-step way to write your first good letter. You know, it's like, you know, record yourself doing your pitch in front of somebody and then have it transcribed. You know, voila, you clean it up a little bit, you got a good, you got a damn good sales letter there, you know. Now, it may not be the best one you'll ever have, but it's a, it's a good start. And you, you don't think of it as writing. You're not pushing. You're actually pulling yourself towards it. So the idea of these, of this, of the January 15th letter is you sit down the January 15th of this year and you write down a letter to you. I, I usually do it in numbered sequences. So each sentence or each item or subject is one, and then there's two, three, four. This particular that I got here has 17 numbered entries, each a couple of sentences most, not even a paragraph. I think one has three sentences, hmm. and, and I think I may read them. Um, so it's 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 a letter to to myself. Um, of January 15th, a year hence. And the idea is that I am writing down what kind of man I am a year hence. I'm not saying I will be, I'm saying I am. So Mm -hmm. I'm actually prognosticating. I'm, you know, putting the time machine in my head going and I'm writing down how I'm, you know, how I'm looking back on this year ahead of me from a year ahead. It's kind of science fiction, I guess, but it's like the letter I'm writing is is me a year ahead looking back on the year. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Does that clarify? As if this has occurred and you're looking back on it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So I use words like I was and stuff. Right. Um, here, here's, we, we don't have to do this in sequence, so here's number one. 
of the January 29th, 2009. I think I wrote this in 2008. I'm not sure how I got the dating down, but it didn't matter to me because I, I wasn't thinking I was ever, anybody was ever going to see this but me. Right. So number one is best business year ever by a million bucks. I submitted my position as a super cool mentor, sought after and respected and listened to, period. Wow. Keyword there was cemented mm. and best business year ever by a million bucks. So I think that year, I don't remember, I don't keep track of the results because this thing works so awesomely and has for over a, you know, a decade, for a very, very long time. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think I actually went over a mill. Now, as mm. far as I didn't get specific, I said best business year ever by a million bucks, which to me meant I made a million more than I made the year before or my, my other best, best year. Right. Now I didn't talk about net versus gross versus a lot of things. And that actually can complicate things because mm -hmm. you can gross a million bucks and net, you know, $10,000, you sure. know, there's a lot of things that can happen there, but that's, that's a good start. Right. So, and of course the way I, I do this is I try to set goals in the, uh, how do I put it? My goals are deliberately in the woo to no friggin' way range, meaning they're mega ambitious mm -hmm. to downright greedy. Mm. And, um, but it's doable if, if I really committed myself. And the key here is that I don't care if I meet that goal or not. I don't care if I meet the exact million dollars or uh, $100,000 or even $10,000 above, above what I made last year. I'm setting that goal a little bit beyond what I can safely, easily, and comfortably reach, but it's orienting me. And so if I, if I get to half of that, I'm going to be a happy camper. Right. So, so the idea, but, but I'm not saying I'm going to make $20 million, you know, above my best year, because that's a different guy. That's, that's yeah. a different kind of John making that kind of money. Right. The John who I am now slightly changed. In other words, a, a better, healthier, stronger, uh, more loving, generous, nice, nicer guy. I, I can do that by, by incremental things. So I can be a nicer guy. I can be a little stronger, a little healthier this time next year. And without many more changes in my biz or the way I approach life, I can make a million dollars more than I made in my best year so far. Right. So that's a doable. But again, I don't care. If I really wanted to make a mill, I probably would have had the goal as two mill or or four. Right. So so I'm I'm kind of playing with it a little bit. So and and I'm you know but but as I write this, I'm not doing a lot of editing. I I, you know, I think that's because I'm so used to doing this, and I really. I, I can get into that groove of who I am next year. You know, I, I, I want to be James Bond this time next year. I want to be younger, handsomer. I want to have, you know, a sexy, romantic life that, you know, may or may not be possible at my age. You know, I want to travel and stuff. Uh, should, should I go ahead and read the, the five that I had? Would, would that help at this time, or yeah. do we need to explain more? No, that'd be great. Okay, so th again, this is years ago. And by the way, this was when... Uh, this is before I sold uh, my main business, Marketing Rebel, to my business partner, Stan, who has been, you know, doing a great job with it. <clears throat> and um, um, I, 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 I kind of semi-retired from that John back here. So back here, this John is really working his ass off. He's traveling every year. He's speaking all over the world. I think I was due to speak in Dubai, and, and I was going to Australia for the third time, all, all on business stuff. Mm -hmm. So it was a slightly different guy for me, so that's why these, these goals wouldn't work right now. But hang on, I'm going to take a slug of water. Hang on. Okay. 
So this is, yeah, you writing to yourself a year ahead. Yeah. So, and this is how simple this letter can be. These are only five examples from 17. Okay. So, number one, best business year ever. And I literally have a number one period and then then the, the census. Number one, best period ever by a million bucks. Cemented my position as a super cool mentor, sought after and respected and listened to. All of that came true, by the way. Mm-hmm. Number two, each month, comma, we completed major projects that built the list. So it's now twice the size it was last year. We brought in big bucks and made everyone happy, hmm. mostly the people who bought. Nice. Number three, we did four seminars, all innovative workshops that sold out immediately and became a buzzword in the online world. I'm going to read these next two, and then I'm going to go back and deconstruct those. Okay. <clears throat> uh, number six, my health is stunningly excellent. I work out twice a week. I I golfed a lot in the spring and summer, played tennis, and took a walk every day. All tests confirm my good health. My back is strong, my neck loose and supple. Mm. And then the last example, number seven, I have a great groove for being productive. My office is a place of action, deep thought, and damn good writing. I settled into good routines that helped me write everything I wanted to write, and it's been fun and satisfying. Okay, so I had another twelve or so things that were that included my private life, um, that included you know things with my family, things with with with, with all kinds of stuff. Yeah. So j- just to break this down, some of those were specific, some were more attitudinal or philosophic, and uh, you know I'm hitting all the high points. You know, wealth, business, happiness, uh, health. Um, the, the, the one, for example, <clears throat> number two, I said each month we completed major projects that built the list. So it's now twice the size and we made everybody happy. Okay. Yeah. It's impossible to make everybody happy. I know that, but the attitude is that we do strive to make everybody happy. And that's the way we ran the biz and the way it's still being run, by the way, right. even though, uh, you know, Stan had adopted that. Um, I said, brought in the big bucks. I didn't get specific on that, but I did. The f- each month we completed major projects. So that would have been 12 major projects by, by extension and building the list. So I was specific that I wanted the list to be bigger. And I, and I didn't define what major projects were, but I knew in my heart what they were. They were essentially a project. Um, I, you know, as, as I recall, probably got, three or four major projects done, mm-hmm. which was still twice as much as I'd, we'd done the year before. Right. And this included, I believe, the simple writing system. So uh, yeah, was, as a side note, I was kind of setting myself up for a bit of burnout, and, yeah. but that's why I knew I needed to get to health very, very quickly in this thing. So my health was not excellent at this time. I had a trainer... When I went out speaking on the road back in 2001, when I became a guy who every month would fly somewhere and, and get up on stage and speak to audiences, one of the first things I did, I was already getting a massage every week, as I have for 30 years. That's, that's an essential. That is non-negotiable. But I got a trainer. I started working out two to three times a week. So I had a strong back, 
so I felt strong and I could weather the travel to these places and be a fit specimen up on stage. Not that I would look good, that I'd feel good. That was very, very important to me. Yeah. But my back was still a big problem. So by me pulling myself towards the next year of being in stunningly good health, to me, the word stunning, excellent health matters. Those words mattered to me because yeah. I wasn't in stunning, excellent health. Mm. As I look back, I had a few setbacks. I had like some, you know, innocent skin cancers popping up on my arms, and and um, I think I had my first or my second, uh, you know, camera shoved up my ass. You know, <laughs> as you have to do as you get older, and and uh, there were some complications, but everything was fine. And in general, I came out with a clean bill of health. But I wanted to be even healthier. So in my mind, a year hence, I was a you know a James Bond character, a guy who could take a punch and come back and you know and go out to dinner in, in a tux, you know, and, and look perfect, you know. And yeah. and I was never going to attain that, but I needed that, and I need that even more now. And I've always I needed that back in my twenties. Right. And and I was never thinking that way. In my twenties, my thirties, I was tearing down my health. I considered my health a given mound of health and I was eating away as, at it as I was going. Mm. So everything I did took away from that pile of health. And I was just thinking down the line, yeah, yeah, you know, so I won't live to be, you know, 80 or 70 or what. I had no idea how long my father right. was going to live. He's in his mid-90s. Right. And then, then you hit that midlife point or, you know, like, like you, you know, you have kids and stuff, so that you want to be around more. That changes. Then you realize, shit, I'm, I, I, I can't keep shoveling health off of this pile I've been given. I got to add to it. I got to right. make that mountain bigger and stronger. So that was all very, very important. And then the, the philosophy stuff is really important to me. Now, the, the first one, where I said best business year ever by a million bucks, cemented my position as a super cool mentor. Super cool was very important. Sought after and respected and listened to. The, the world outside of there, that was the year that a lot of the guys I had taught, I'm not going to name anybody, mm -hmm. and I don't resent this, by the way. Mm -hmm. In fact, I gave them a lot of them permission. That was a year when a lot of the people that I had taught came out as mentors and um, gurus on their own. Yeah. And some gave me credit. A lot of them openly stole my stuff, and they just went off and did their own thing. And and I had you know I had spawned this army of of people who were you know younger, smarter, a little more energy than me, maybe different experiences, certainly more qualified to use the online world, which was really kicking up, you know, in speed and stuff. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I realized I was becoming the dinosaur and, you know, at risk of being forgotten and just being passed up, you know, left in the dust. So I needed to, that idea of cementing my position and doing this, that was important. So to me, those words meant something. Those words were carefully chosen. Mm. And, uh, and you know, I, I did accomplish it. It wasn't so broad that, you know, I didn't say cement. I didn't define what my position would be. Right. I knew what felt right. And yeah. all, all I needed to be was in the conversation. Right. And, and I, I could have said, I'm still in the conversation. But I didn't want to be defensive about it. I wanted to be mm. kind of... Uh, uh, offensive about it, not offensive, but right. you know, being on offense. Right. And so I saw myself in the future as this James Bond character, fit, healthy, rolling in cash, and, and a lot of the other stuff I had had to do with the details of you know the house and and you know the relationships and and, and all of this stuff. And and I saw myself, and you know, 
getting to halfway there was going to be okay, but some of the stuff I wanted to get all the way there. And my mind knew which was which. So I didn't have to make this number one. I didn't have to put a star next to it, but I just knew that that was like the driving force of what was going on. Push comes to shove if you start saying you can only have 12 of these, not all 17, or you can only have two of these, not all 17, or not all 30. I've had years where I had the list was 30, 30 things deep. Hmm. If you can only have two, you know, you do start thinking about what are those main two, what's going on. Those become your drivers. Those become the, the motivation triggers that kick things in. And for me, it was about uh, health and cementing my position as, as a guru. I could have made zero dollars, but as long as I cemented that position and stuff, I would still be in a position to come back and be able to, you know, recoup uh, lost time and, and, you know, and continue to make money and do things. So I was, you know, I was very focused on that. What that meant was that any other offers that came in to do stuff, if it, if it conflicted with anything that was on this list, I just rejected it out of hand. Of, of course, I'm not going to take a job somewhere. I'm not going to join up with you and your business and become a, you know, a board member where I have to you know, commit a week, you know, a month to doing this. I'm not going to do this, that, and the other thing. I am going to do these other things, though, because they fit in line with these goals I'm being pulled towards, this James Bond you know, 007, suave, sophisticated, fit, uh, what was I, 50, late, late 50s back then, or mid, mid 50s. Yeah. Um, you know, I was being pulled towards this guy. Right. And, and like I said, I made, I, I completed 50 to 90% of, of these goals, you know, on, on a, on, on, on a results type level, including the, the philosophy stuff. You know, I wasn't always generous, loving, and, and a great guy. I'm, I'm a human being. You know, I've, I've got, I've got adrenaline, uh, uh, jacks just, just like anybody else. And, you know, and nothing went smoothly, but I was pulled toward, and, and by the way, people ask, how often do you reread these letters after you write them? At this point in my career, I write the letter, I read it over and edit it once or twice. And just, just because the words are important. Yeah. And then I put it into a file, uh, actually print it out. So it's a physical letter and I put it in a file and I don't touch it again until the next, until uh, January 15th of the fall. And then you read it the next year. Yeah. You do look back and, and see, see how you do. Well, I do casually. I just yeah. say, yeah, yeah. Because again, I'm so confident this shit works that I just go, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, and, and, and sometimes a number of these things will switch over to the next one too. So right. they made, it's like writing books. You don't write one book and done. It's like you have other books. Right. And, you know, and sometimes I, I, I need to strengthen some, I need, I, and a few of these goals I didn't make at all, you know, and, and sometimes the play, you know, I say I, I travel, you know, I travel to interesting, fun places like, and then I list the places. I didn't go to any of those places. But I went to four other really great places that, that met the bill. You know? right. So in my mind, I'm thinking, there's a vague sense of this going on. You're, I wasn't conscious of it. It was unconscious. And as we know, if anybody who's been listening to these podcasts, the unconscious, much more powerful than yeah. in your conscious mind. Yeah. I think that's, that's one of the big takeaways here is that you know, you're sort of writing to your unconscious and then you let it go. You don't... Uh, meditate on it every day. Right. But, um, you know, when I did my list this year, John, what I've noticed over the years of doing them is it's very telling about, you know, what is on your mind sort of sitting there at the surface of your subconscious. Right. And um, I'm conscious of your massage. Um, do you, are you going to make that appointment? Are you good on time here? Oh, 
Oh, yes. I, um, I have, uh, it's almost 3 o'clock. We should wrap this up in the next big 15 minutes okay. or so. So, no, I, I am fine. Okay, I thought you were talking. Thank, thank you. Hour. All right. But, um, so, what, what I, because it usually happens right away. Like you said, you just start numbering, here's the list, right? And then, yeah. so it's, it's very telling, like what what matters to you. And so this year, it surprised me a little because it was immediately about control. You know? Yours was? Yeah. And it was like, uh, it's this is the year, because I, I always felt like I am sort of in control of my business and it grows every year and mm -hmm. uh, there's measured success. But this year it was like, whoa, like where'd you come from, Mr. <laughs> Need for Control, you know? And you think it came from your unconscious from previous settings, or I think I think it's yeah a lot to do with new projects I've undertaken, you know, with the membership community, um, and feeling like now there is something that I am in control of directly every day, and so it's it's shown me all the places that I don't feel like that I'm in control, right? Um, so that theme through one particular project is manifested in all areas of my life. And so I went, my list immediately became about these are the things I need to take control of and here's how I'm going to do it. And those things. So that, that, that's interesting though. So the title, I mean, if you title it, it'd be control, you know, this, much. this, this yeah. year's thing is control. That's good. But you didn't say it's going to be about control and then oh, right, right. you wrote it, looked at it and realized that, you know, something rose to the top. That was the point I was trying to make. Right. Right. Yeah. And, By the uh, way, let me let me just share number seventeen, the last okay. one. I looked down the list and I saw this. This is kind of interesting because I think a lot of people don't do this. Number seventeen, the last one. This was the first of a decade of productive success for me, and I'm just doing my job and living out a centered, wide awake life. Period. Thanks. Period. Hmm. So I was thinking you know, thanking the process. I, 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 I forgot about that. There, there was another little thing. I, I've, I've written about this before, but getting back to, to you, you know, I'm kind of discovering mm -hmm. as, as you're going to this title, we, 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 you know, people have these acts of gratitude. I think Facebook lit up last year with, you know, 30 days of gratitude and what are you grateful for and stuff like that. That's fine, but that's a, that's a you know, it, it shouldn't be an event. Yeah. Gratitude should be an ongoing thing. Before I throw away a pen that's out of ink and, and can't be replaced and it's beat up, I think it for its, for its use. <laughs> I have a little ritual when I go through keyboards, and I burn through keyboards because, you know, I, I drop food on them and all kinds of stuff. I stop and I think about it. I said, this is the keyboard I wrote Exxon, you know, yeah. and I don't need to keep it. I don't need to, you know, have, have a special place for it. I can toss it because I, I tend to be a pack rat. But, but I think about that, and I, and I assign kind of living qualities to these objects. And I think people understand that. You know, a lot of people name their car or name their computer. I've got to sit down and see what Susie says about this. You know, uh, um, uh, Steve Jobs was really smart doing that Siri thing. Talk to Siri. You know, name yeah. her. They didn't need to name her, you know, right. but they did because we like to anthropomorphize things. It works the same with things like control, health, things like that. You don't need to name it, but the health is not a concept. It, it is. It's part of your living bead. It's hard to understand how control, which isn't a physical knob in your brain, it isn't. It isn't a muscle. It's this extra sensory 
metaphysical concept that you are bringing into your life, almost like uh, a virus enters your life. And it can go south, it can be strengthened, it can be taken care of, but by recognizing it, naming it, in fact, I can't think about it. I'm describing a uh, another thing like ask, seek, and knock, and I can't think of what it is. But it's it's you identify it, you name it, and then you nurture it. Hmm. And and by if you if you had ten a ten item goal list for for next year of, of things you accomplished, and they were all things like control or all philosophical metaphysical stuff, that would be fine. Because a lot of times we need to spend our time doing that. And if you're in a position where you don't need you, where uh, a lot of us, when we do goals, it's about money, it's about prestige, it's about, um, it's about uh, you know, your business and, 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 and love lost or love gained and, and you, know, houses, you know, houses bought or sold and, and cars taken care of and, you know, things like that. <clears throat> so so there's, there's a very real business of life. And I would suggest half of your goals are about the real business of life. But the other half is, especially in, as an entrepreneur, especially as a writer, you're dealing with these non <sighs> You know, it's almost an irrational part of, of being human. And that control thing, a, a lot of people would listen to you talk about control and say, yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. They don't because we, your control is different from other people's control. So that, that control that you've identified is totally dependent on the context of how you defined it, right. which, was very, which was very conscious, very uh, uh, very centered. And, you know, I, it, it, I, I happen to know it took you a long time to kind of realize this. Right. It, yeah. And that's why I think it surprised me that it, it just leapt onto the page the minute I started the letter, because it was brewing. It was a process. There you go. And, that's a great word. Yeah. And, and then when it all came out, it was like, whoa. And then it all made perfect sense. And then so I, I just unpacked each of the things that I needed to control. And I wrote them, you know, as if looking back, this was the year, you know, by eliminating distractions you know, I was able to take control of my mind, right? And then, so and in the last year, didn't you get the office in the last year? Uh, well, back in the summer, yeah. Yeah. So, but that I, I don't know yeah. if, if if that was part of your uh, part of your thing. But that's the kind of thing you get in an office, getting out of one situation into another one, getting yeah. out of the home office into an outside office for good reasons. Sitting in that that price structure, understanding why you're doing it, and being able to use it, it it's a new thing. It's 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 a lot of work and stuff like that. That's the kind of stuff that doesn't get done, you know, spontaneously. You know, it's even if you're, you know, you got to get your head right. You got to get other people on board with it, especially if it's coming out of the family budget and stuff. And right. you got to, you know, you got to actually sign leases, and you got there's a lot of stuff in, involved in that. But the but the bottom line was that was about control, controlling your time, controlling the um, uh, work environment, because because you had a great office, it just was a little full of distractions for you. That, yeah, because had the home office. So. Right, and giving and giving back control to to Michelle and to the kids of their environment, especially over the summer. So oh, they could be, be free to, you know, exist there without feeling like they had to tiptoe around my business. Exactly. Good point. Okay. I, I think that that kind of covers it. The main thing I really wanted to <clears throat> do on this call was, was give a couple of examples because I think it, it's better for people. But nobody has to copy what I did or what you did. Mm -hmm. Do it for yourself. But the attitude of you are, you know, when you read it, 
the father year from now, you're looking back on the year you just had. So you're describing those things. So that's why I gave those examples. So you you become that guy that 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 get, that reaches these goals. And I talk about in my blog post. You know, the, you know, if you want to make a a, a million dollars, what kind of you know you got to think about that. What kind of guy makes a million dollars? A couple of different guys. One guy wins in the lottery. Another guy steals it from a bank. Hmm. Uh, another guy uh, inherits it. Another guy gets a business up where he's making fifty thousand dollars every two weeks. Another guy. Uh, you know, that works really hard for half the year, has a launch, and the launch brings him in the money, and then he doesn't work after that. That's the, the Jeff Walker model, which is really great. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's, it's what, you know, who is that guy, and how do you become that guy? And that's where the ask, seek, and knock thing comes, comes around. You know, if you could corner Jeff Walker, who can work really, really hard, just stupid hard for a month, say, get a launch done, and get everything together and then not work for the rest of the year. I mean, that sounds great, but you have to understand what kind of guy does that. And right. Jeff has a particular uh, personality, has a certain, you know, kind of uh, tolerance for work, and, and he knows this. And over, over a period of years, he figured that out. But you may not be that guy. So what, what kind of guy are you? So your goals are a combination of who you are, who you want to be, what it's going to take to get there, and who that guy is. And a lot of times when you don't have experience, it's much easier to make a million in a year after you've done it. Making it the, fir- the first time is hard. The second time, almost easy. The third time, it's not even on your goal list anymore. Right. Um, even if you lose it every time, that was one of the lessons I picked up from Jay. He's going to kill me for saying this, but you know, the one like the second year I, I met him, he made a million dollars in one year. But what he promised and what he had to do to fulfill on the promises he made to clients to collect that million cost him over a mil and took up all his time, and he wasn't able to make any other money the next year. So he was that kind of guy who. Just said, you know what? I'm, you know, I'm giving away my future time, and I'm going to do this, this, and this for a year. It's going to cost you this amount. And a lot of people said, well, I'll, I'll do that. And he made a million dollars. And then to fulfill on that, he wasn't able to make anything else for a year. That to me was a huge lesson. That's where I came up with the no tail right. idea, you know, or limit your tail. So, you know, you know, a lot of money made now. It's you got to average it out. You got to amortize it if you're not going to be able to make any more money. You know, fulfilling what people paid you to do on this on, on this money. That writers have that problem all the time. You can't take on too many clients in a month, no matter how much they're paying right. you, because you simply don't have the time. So. Gosh, I've learned that a time or two. Huh? <laughs> I've I've learned some lessons trying to expand that little orb of energy. Yeah. You know, it's uh, yeah, and so. Um, all right, good stuff. I think I think we we're pretty clear about the exercise, and certainly they want to jump over to john-carlton.com. It's the current post uh, right now. Don't know when you'll come across this um, podcast, but if you need to search it, there's a little search bar at the top of John's site, and just um, type in "rest of your freaking life." <laughs> no rest of your freaking life. It was posted on January second, twenty fifteen. So easy, easy to easy find. To find it. It's yeah. actually up in the blog like twelve times, I think, or something, yeah. eight times. And uh, Kevin, your your blog too, where where you actually give the total uh, example of your. Uh, That's inside my membership, yeah. And then um, copychief.com is where you can learn more about that. And you know, it would be cool, John, if, if you if you can get a snapshot with your iPhone or something of of that part that you read, I'll post my image as well. Maybe we should add these into the post on PI 
the number four mm.com. That'd be kind of cool to go along. I don't with the know. Recording. That's making it too easy for the people. You know, we make it too easy <laughs> for them. And the next thing they're asking us for. More. <laughs> You're right. See, I'm always learning from you. That's right. They got to learn. So their I own. think everybody needs to go back, listen to it again, and write it down as you're, <laughs> as you're going. So, you know, uh, one, one way to do that is as you listen to the podcast, pause, uh, speak it, you know, into your smartphone, uh, into notes. If, if you're on an iPhone and then, uh, you know, have, have, have that, uh, transcribed by Siri and, uh, then, then yeah. you got it written down. And in fact, I, I think, yeah, I, I'm going to insist on that. I, I, you know, we, nobody made it easy for me coming up through the pikes that I have made it, even though I vowed not to, I've been making it way too easy on, on you guys through, through, yeah. through the years because I know how much it hurts. To, to go, well, the answer is out there. Go find it. You know, that it's infuriating. You know, it's like, just tell me. You know what the answer is. Just freaking tell me. Right. And no, I'm not going to tell you. It wouldn't be the same if I told you, you know. And that's the truth, though. So, it is. Yeah. It's the journey, yeah, grasshopper. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or what, what was the karate kid, you know, the... the they would, you know, wash and wash wax, my car, wax, wax on, my car. Wax you know. off. That's right. Yeah, wax off. <laughs> what is this doing? What are you talking about? And then, you know, so. Yeah. All right, uh, I'm going to let you go. I'm going off to my weekly massage, which, again, I've been doing for, for 30 years and um, has been a major part of my health, uh, uh, st- staying healthy and, and yeah. centered and having that reset that I get every uh, every week. More and more important as I uh, as I work harder, as my body is changing, as as I'm aging, um, uh, and and I'm getting back in the gym and, and taking walks. Those things, you know, so many of us forget them. And I beat up all the people I love near me for doing this. I'm a nag about going out and exercising and doing that stuff. Don't mm-hmm. put it off. Don't wait until something happens and then say, okay, now I'm going to get in the gym. It's preventative. It is. And by the way, I think of a lot of business stuff at the gym, you know, because yeah. my mind is, is kind of free from, from thinking about it and stuff, headlines pop into my head, all kinds of things happen. So, right. Yeah. Invest in yourself. If you need, if you can't get right. the motivation, get hire a trainer. Yeah. It's a little expensive, but man, you want to get in the best shape of your life and have no excuses and find new levels of ability within yourself. You right. know, it's, when you kick your own ass first thing in the day, you walk around more grounded, centered, ready to ready to fight, you know, and just exactly. you feel stronger and more capable all day. I can't. You've really taught me that and helped me continue doing that. Physical. So when you physical face strength, the, the alligator, so so, <laughs> so when you have to go out and face down the alligator in the backyard, yeah. you're, you're pretty sure you can take him. <laughs> you really feel that way sometimes. That's right. But if you're a mushy and like kind of limping on one side, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I better send the dog. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So, all right, great stuff, John, and we'll do it again soon. Thanks, pal. Enjoy your massage. All right, thanks. Bye. 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 